Good morning. Hello? There we go. Good morning. Welcome. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. And hello to everyone watching from home. These next two songs are about God's great love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. You are love. Please fill us with your love, Lord God. Thank you for this time. We offer it up to you. Your will be done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's bid is unrelenting. Your love goes on. Your love goes on. You carry us. You carry us. You carry us. When the world gives way, you cover us. You cover us with your endless rain. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Chasing shadows, you gave the world a light to follow. A hope that shines beyond tomorrow. Your love goes on, your love goes on. Sing, you carry us, you carry us.
morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. Oh, I got one great and some goods. Excellent. Say hi to each other before you're seated this morning, and then you can be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to welcome all of you who are here and those of you who are watching from elsewhere. Glad that you're here. I'm noticing that some of you are getting your monarchy waves down really well, turning around, just kind of doing the queen thing. And uh, yeah, so it's nice to be able to at least do that much and uh, say hello to each other and uh, be together this morning as we worship the Lord here. So we want to welcome you and say how delighted we are that you are here with us uh, today. We do have a couple of announcements, and uh, just reminding you, uh, last week we launched our Poinsettia uh, campaign where we give you an opportunity to place the uh, Poinsettia plants in the church for the Christmas season, and um, so just in two weeks from today will be the start of Advent, first Sunday of Advent, and uh, so Today and next Sunday will be the final days to uh, place those, and there's two ways that you can do it. Uh, you can just send an e-transfer. The cost is $8 per plant, and I know that there are two numbers on the form that you may have received on the way in, one that says 8 and one that says 7. It is 8, and, uh, but you can just send an e-transfer to giving at epcoakville.com, and in the message box, just indicate in whose memory or in whose honor that uh, donation is being made uh, based on the, the, that, you, you know, your, your contribution. So you can do it that way. A second way you can do it is you can pick up the form that's in the foyer and you can fill it out and uh, put all that information there and include your payment and put it in an envelope and you can leave it in the offering plate as you exit. So those are two options that you have. And that is for today and then next Sunday and then the Sunday after that when you come back they will be here and uh, we'll be in full Christmas mode. So just keep that in mind. Also just to remind you that as of last Sunday we uh, lifted some of our restrictions and allowing uh, some visitation inside. It was a beautiful day so most of you still visited outside but uh, not so sure that'll be the case today. But uh, you are welcome to visit inside after the service, and uh, we just ask that you not visit in the foyer area because that will congest that area. But you are welcome to visit in here. Just maintain a physical distance of two meters, six feet, and also you have to be wearing your mask at all times uh, while you're inside the building. So just keep that in mind. Otherwise, you can hang out for a while and... Um, as I've had to do many times, sometimes just turn off the lights when it's time to go. Uh, or, uh, or usually Phil's actually pretty good to take control of that, to turn off the lights, because he's usually around during that time. So 
Uh, anyway, so yeah, we just encourage you to do that. Kids, JK to grade five, you are free to go. Your leaders are free to go. And uh, quietly, gently, parenting. All right, I'm going to pass it back to Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Good to have you back. I know you were off for a couple of Sundays. Good to have you back today. Thank you. And uh, hand it back to you. Thank you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. And I will fear no
this song is about, um, well, it's about a lot of things. But one of the main things is saying, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I sing that and I believe that. But we still experience fear at times. We still experience worry and anxiety. And and so the way at least that I understand it now is like we we aren't slaves to these things ultimately. We're still going to experience fear from time to time. But we have a hope. We shouldn't let it rule our lives. And, And when we are experiencing fear, we need to run to Jesus and say, God, please help us because... This is not of you, you know. You aren't. Like fear doesn't come from you, Lord God. You are good and you are love. You bring peace and joy. And you do bring conviction at times, but but not this like overwhelming sense of fear where there's no hope or like that is just not of God. times we can't help the way that we feel, but we can still choose to do certain things. And so if we feel fearful, we got to keep praying and just looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on him and asking for his help. And I think of um, Peter on the water when he was walking on the water. and He's looking at Jesus and then, you know, he sees the, the waves around him. He starts to sink, but then he cries out to Jesus, and Jesus picks him back up. So hopefully that, hopefully you find what I said helpful. So I think a lot of us experience, especially with COVID and everything, it's really changed a lot of our our mental states and the way we see things or interact with people or socialize and and yeah there's there's a lot of fear there's a lot of unknowns Lord God please help us to trust in you and to bring our our fears and our worries and our cares to you to lift up our hearts to you because we don't always feel happy we don't know we're not always feeling great and you know that you see that we you know us lord god you see our hearts please help us lord god and heal us and show us what you want us to do and help us to pray and to look to you and not to give
Our scripture reading this morning is found in Numbers chapter 13, and there's a variety of verses there that I will be reading. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. I'm sure that you share with me what I'm about to say, and that is, I really love a good story. I love a good story. For me, I come from a culture of storytelling, and um, so I, I love to hear good stories. I, I love to tell good stories. I love to read good stories. And one of my favorite stories is entitled, Belling the Cat. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, some mice called a meeting to decide on a plan to protect themselves from their enemy, the cat. They wanted to find some way of knowing when she was coming so they would have time to run away. Something had to be done because they lived in constant fear of her night and day. Many ideas were proposed, but none of them was thought to be good enough. Then... A very young mouse got up and said, I have a plan that seems very simple, but I know it will be successful. All we have to do is hang a bell around the cat's neck. When we hear the bell ringing, we all know immediately that our enemy is coming. All the mice were surprised that they had not thought of such a good plan before and started to rejoice. But in the midst of the rejoicing, an old mouse arose and said, I will say that the plan of the young mouse is very good. But let me ask one question. Who will bell the cat? The meeting went silent, and all of the mice returned to their homes and continued to live in fear. Fear can hold us back. Fear can rob us of God's promise for our lives. Fear comes from focusing on our circumstances rather than God's promises. And so today in what is the final week of, is the final week of our sermon series, which we've entitled, In the Meantime, Navigating Difficult Transitions. And throughout this series, we have said that there are realities, there are attitudes, there are emotions that we experience during life's difficult transitions that can delay us, even keep us from experiencing God's intention and plan for what he wants to accomplish. Now, we've been referring to these as pitfalls. And we've been using the transition of the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land as a case study to identify these pitfalls. In week one, we considered the pitfall of complaining, specifically the relationship between complaining and trust. In week two, we considered the pitfall of disappointment and its impact uh, on both the disappointed person and also those who bear the brunt of their disappointment. Week three, which was last week, we considered the pitfall of isolation and loneliness, and we were reminded of God's intention that we not do life alone. 
Today, on our final message, we'll be considering the pitfall of fear. And we will be reminded today that we can overcome our fear by putting our trust in God instead of focusing on our circumstances. So let's break down our scripture today. Our first point today is, first part is the reconnaissance. The journey from Egypt to the promised land was a very difficult, challenging journey. And finally, here they are. It's an exciting moment. They're standing at the very edge of this promised land. And it's time to embrace what God has promised to them going all the way back to their ancestor, Abraham. It's an exciting time. It's a new beginning. It's, it, you know, it's the moment where all of their hopes and their dreams and everything that they've endured, everything now is, is coming to, to, you know, to that moment where it's all going to be realized. And the difficult transitional season that they have been in is about to come to an end. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it tells us that it was the people's idea to send in spies and God approved their request. And God advised them to choose one man from each of the 12 tribes who was seen amongst them as a leader. And their task was to enter undetected into the new land in order to gather information by observing the land and the people. Are the people strong or are they weak? Are there few or are there many? Are their towns small or are their towns large? Are they fortified or are they unwalled? Is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there any trees? And they were to bring back samples to those who are waiting on the report. And so 12 men were chosen and they were sent out on this fact-finding mission. The second part of our story is the report. After 40 days of exploring the new land, the 12 spies returned to the camp. Aaron and Moses and the whole Israelite community had gathered in eager anticipation to hear their report. Excitement is in the air as the people gathered. They couldn't wait to hear all about this land that God had promised to them. And the report started very well. The spies confirmed that the land did indeed flow with milk and honey. Now, not literally, but symbolic of a bountiful land. It's everything they would have dreamed for. They brought back an enormous, enormous bushel of grapes, figs, and pomegranates and showed them and put them out on display for the people to see. And as you're reading the story, you can feel the excitement building. It's just, it's such an incredible time. They, they've gone in, they've looked around, and, and everything they dreamed about it is true. And they're just thrilled until, until, in a single moment, with the use of a single word, the excitement fades and reality hits them. The word is but. But. Yes, 
It's the land of milk and honey. Yes, look how amazing the, these samples are. Yes, it's, it's everything you ever dreamed. But the people who live there are powerful. And they began listing all the nations of people that occupied the land. The list was long, and it was frightening and difficult to pronounce. Thus, I'm not even going to start there. The cities were large, and they were fortified, inaccessible, impenetrable. And so they said, yes, it's the land, everything you dreamed of, but we can't do it. They are stronger than us. We can't do this. Now, even exaggerating their point to, to prove the impossible, because every story has a point of exaggeration, right? I, I mean, I can't admit that I've ever told a story that I didn't exaggerate maybe a little, right? That's just the art of storytelling. But they're giving this report, and, and they're, they're exaggerating their report. They said, you know what? There is a people that live there, there's a race of large men who are believed to be half human and half angels. There are a race of giants who devour those who live there. And they said, in comparison to them, we were like grasshoppers. But there were two spies that brought a different report, Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb said, well, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will lead us into the land and he will give it to us. Don't be afraid. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone because the Lord is with us. They weren't denying that there were challenges ahead, but they were believing that God was calling them to be a people of faith, not fear, because God had promised this to them. And if God had promised this to them, they believed God would make it happen. So you have the report. And then the final part of the story is, is the response of the people. The words of the ten spies spread like a wildfire through the camp. While the words of Caleb and Joshua just seemed to fall to the ground. The people were upset. Truth is, they were afraid. They were afraid. It's important to note that these are the same people. The same people who per personally witnessed the hand of God on them all throughout this journey, from the moment before they even left Egypt till now standing on the edge of what God has promised. They've seen it time and time again. They witnessed all of the plagues that God poured out on Egypt. They were there and crossed on dry land through the Red Sea. They were there and drank of the sweet water that was once bitter, that God had changed. They were the ones who woke up every morning and gathered the manna off the ground so they could eat. They were the ones when manna got monotonous and boring. 
were the ones that were able to not only harvest quail, but God brought them in at a level that they could easily access. Same people who drank water from a rock. The same people who saw victory over their enemies time and time again. The same people who every day saw a cloud in front of them as God led them and a fire by night. These very same people. Yet no one, no one spoke of God's grace shown to them time after time. No one referenced the miracles and said, well, you know what, maybe, maybe, let's just remember what God has done for us up to this point. The, they weren't doing that. The majority of them were told were, were wailing, they were weeping, they were screaming, and they were angry. All of these emotions that were just going out of control because of their fear. They quickly focused their complaining on their leadership. And they made statements like, we wish we had died in Egypt or in the desert rather than get this close to seeing what God has promised for us and not be able to have it. I wish I had died back there. And then they had a suggestion that, well, maybe we should pick a new leader who will take us back to Egypt. That's the plan. But there are four people in this story who choose to focus on God and his promise and not on fear. Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua. And although they were outnumbered by all of those around them, they addressed the crowd and spoke into the chaos. They reminded the people that the land was exceedingly good, that God would lead them into the land if they submitted themselves to him, that he would give it to them, he would give it to them, that now was not the time to rebel against the Lord. We are so close to this. This is not the time to quit now. And they said, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. And hearing that, I'd like to be able to tell you that the people thought reasonably and said, yes, you're right. But they didn't. Immediately, they wanted to stone them to death. I don't want to hear your perspective. I don't want to hear your positivity. I don't want to hear your faith and your trust. I don't want to hear anything positive. We just want to focus on the negative. In fact, we want to... to to make you go quiet, to shut you up, we're willing to even kill you to do it. Now, consequently, as a, as a result of all of this, they're not allowed to enter into the land. God said, okay, if this is how this is going to go. Then all of you who are 20 years of age and older, who are complaining, you're going to die in the wilderness. And at that point, the people were led back from the edge of the promise, from the very edge of about to enter in to what they had set out to do, what God had promised to Abraham, and they're going back into the wilderness. They're going back into the difficult transitional space that they have been in from where God was taking them to where, you know, from where they were to where God was taking them. They're going back into that transitional space for 40 more years years until all those 
20 years of age and up who had been a part of that had died. They had fallen into the pitfall of fear. And as a result, they got stuck in the transitional space. And many of them never did ever realize God's promise for them. Now, as I read this story, there are three observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today regarding the pitfall of fear that we see play out in this story. The first is perspective. If you look at Numbers 13.31, the ten spies made this statement, we can't do it. It's not possible. It is bigger than us. It's intimidating. And in two verses later, they said, we look like grasshoppers in comparison. In verse 30, the two spies, Caleb and Joshua, said, we certainly can do it. We should do it. God will lead us. And in chapter 14, verses 7 to 9, they said, you know, he will give us the land. He will swallow up our enemies because the Lord goes with us. Now, I want us to notice the difference in perspective. Ten spies use the word we multiple times. They saw the challenge from human perspective. And in seeing that challenge from a human perspective, they felt inadequate. And rightfully so. Because in human eyes, they were inadequate. In human terms, what was being proposed was impossible. But Joshua and Caleb constantly referred not to we but to the Lord. They saw the challenge from God's perspective. They saw it from the perspective of God's promise. It was not about their ability to do it on their own. It was not about intimidation. In, in God's terms, it was possible because they were seeing it from a different perspective. And so as we navigate these difficult transitional seasons in our lives, there are going to be moments when we'll have to choose between fear and faith. Fear and trust. Between we can do it and we can't do it. Between this is not possible and this is certainly possible. And what will allow us to make this choice will be the fact that we know and believe that God is with us. Choosing to see the challenge that we are facing through the eyes of God, not through our own human eyes. Because when you do, when you know that you know that you know that God is leading you, you see things differently. When facing the choice between faith and fear, trust and fear, regardless of how daunting the reality is, we must choose to trust in God. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so he is leading us so we can become the people that he wants us to be, the person he wants us to be, with the ultimate 
goal because he wasn't just leading the Israelites so they could have their land and be their people, but there's another part of that sentence that sometimes we forget, and that is, so that all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so he's leading us to help us become the person and the people of God that we need to be so that we can make the necessary contribution and impact on a broken world because we choose to not be afraid to trust him. Perspective is very important. Reaction. In verse 14, we see a contrast of reactions to the leadership of Moses and Aaron after the reports of the spies have been heard. This is a very large group of people. They're gathered in a large open space to listen to 12 people bring a report. Now, this is not a day and age of big concerts and gatherings where sound systems are bellowing words through that you can hear from, you know, all around. It's not like that. They're standing in front of the crowd and they're probably being as loud as they can be, but you got to realize that there are a lot of people that are gathered here, and most of them are not within hearing range of what these 12 people are saying directly. And so once those who are in hearing range heard what was being said and reacted to it, then they turned to the other members of the community and passed on the information. But you need to understand, they didn't just pass on the information. It wasn't just the facts that they passed on. They also passed on their emotions and their fears. Everything that they were experiencing, they, they, they packaged the information in their emotions and in their fears. And the result was that fear and negativity swept through the whole group. It's important to understand that fear and loss are partners. They're partners. Fear is fueled when loss becomes a reality. In fact, most people don't fear change. They fear the losses that they perceive are associated with the change. And so when this group of people heard from the 10 spies, they began to be afraid of their potential losses. They were afraid that they were going to die at the hands of these enemies. They were concerned for their wives and children being taken as plunder. They were afraid that they had given their lives to, to believing something and it was wasted because in the end, it, it wasn't going to happen. And so the fears of all of these different things are coming at them, and, and, and they're becoming overwhelmed with the fear, and they're passing on these emotions and this fear to everybody else, and, and it just becomes this very dysfunctional environment. And fear and loss leads to criticism, and so... As you know, human nature, and we all struggle with this from time to time, human nature is such that 
we often need someone or something to blame. I often jokingly say that's why we get married. We need to have someone right there that we can blame everything on. Marital bliss, right? Human nature is such that we need someone or something to blame when things do not go as we were led to believe or as we hoped they would or when they're threatened by loss. And so what did they do? They started to assess blame and criticize. They blamed Moses. They blamed Aaron. They regretted ever stepping out on the journey. They considered choosing a new leader to lead them back to Egypt. Now, in comparison, Joshua and Caleb stood with their leadership, joined them in solidarity. They were outnumbered. Their lives were threatened by the very fact that they were aligning with them, yet they supported their leaders without criticism. Change perceived loss provokes fear. And fear often becomes expressed in the form of criticism. When we feel like we're losing control, when there are losses that we anticipate we're going to experience, when circumstances become overwhelming and intimidating, we become afraid. And we often express our fear in complaint. The problem with that is complaining is not helpful. And we've seen this all through this series. It's not helpful. It's hurtful. It hurts the one complaining because it takes them from seeing eye, life through the eyes of God to seeing life through human eyes. Complaining is not helpful because it actually reveals our true spiritual condition. It really does. What it says is we actually lack trust and faith. It causes others to lose confidence in us because let's, let's be honest today. No one likes a negative person. No one. No one sits back and says, who can we invite over tonight that can sit there and be negative all evening? Who am I looking forward to seeing at church on Sunday while I stand there that will just express constant negativity? Who wants to get with that family member that's always negative? I'll tell you who. Nobody. Nobody. And even though we, we can't tell them to their faces, you know, the easier thing is to avoid because the truth is we lose confidence in people whose fear overwhelms their lives to the point of criticism and negativity, and, and we, we don't want to be around people like that. And so people who are negative lose people out of their lives. Negativity hurts others. As complaints and negativity make their way through the group, people get caught up in the emotion and perspective of the person complaining and you know what? Complaining may accomplish our agenda, but it doesn't accomplish God's agenda. God's agenda is never advanced through criticism because criticism is rooted in fear, and God does not use fear to accomplish 
his plans and purpose. He uses faith and trust and relationship. And so criticism may advance our agenda. I've seen lots of agendas advanced in the last two years. I've read lots of criticism. I've heard lots of criticism. And maybe at the end of the day, we feel like we've won something to our agenda. But I would suggest we probably haven't won much to God's agenda. Because it's not the tool in God's toolbox that he uses to advance his agenda. Familiarity. In chapter 14, verse 4, in response to the fears of what was waiting in the promised land, the people decided they wanted a new leader that would take them back to Egypt. I suspect that if Moses had heard this, he'd be happy to just surrender his resignation. He didn't want this job anyway. Good, let's just break up and go our separate ways. But they were so frustrated, they were looking for answers that weren't really answers at all. But they thought, you know what? If we find a new leader, they won't take us where God is, take, is wanting to lead us at all cost. They'll just take us where we want to go. So let's pick a new leader. And Egypt, as bad as it was, was familiar to them. Familiarity brings a sense of safety. What we know. And we are wired that way. The comforts of certain foods or people or environments. A familiar environment brings comfort and peace to us. It's what we know. And so the solution to our challenges is often similar to the solution of the Israelites. We want to go back to where we once were. God is taking us somewhere. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not going as we planned or hoped. So we, want to, we don't want to go there anymore. We want to go back to where we once were. And sometimes to justify that, we, we elevate the past, just like they did, or romanticize the past. Sometimes we even revision history and the past to, to make it more comfortable for us, to make it more pleasing to us, to make it better than it actually was. Because there's a lot of us that actually believe that the best days of our lives are actually behind us. Now, I'm sure we all do that. I know I do. I look back at moments and think, man, that was a great time in life. That was just a great season of life. What you wouldn't give some days on the hard days to just go back to that, those moments. In comparison, Joshua and Caleb, they weren't looking at the past. They were looking at the future. They saw all the same challenges. They were not denying the reality of the challenges ahead, but they were convinced to their core that God was leading them. And if God had been faithful in the past, he was going to be faithful in the future. And if God was leading this, they just needed to trust him. And in verse 13, 30, they said, let's do it. Let's do it. They're willing to take the risk, to take a step of faith, believing that God would overcome all of these obstacles because, well, it was his idea. <laughs> it was his promise. The Israelites chose familiarity over trust 
because of fear. Because of fear. And as a result, they never saw the promise realized. Fear will keep us from arriving at the destination that God has for us. I'm going to invite our worship team back, and I just want to say many of us today are struggling with fear in one way or another. Some are struggling with fear for their health. Some fear for their safety. Others are struggling with the fear of being able to adequately provide for their families. Some are struggling with fear of the future. Some are struggling with the fear of the changes that are happening all around us right now that seemingly we have no control over. Fear because our world seems to be spiraling out of control. Fear is a pitfall that can keep us from successfully navigating difficult transitions because it causes us to focus on our circumstances rather than trusting God's promises. And so as we began today, we end today, we can overcome our fear by putting our trust in God instead of focusing on our circumstances. Are you ready to trust him? Are you ready to allow him to take your fears and believe that if God has brought you this far, that he is faithful and good and he will see you through? I want to invite you to stand with us this morning. And as Tyler leads us, I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to remind you this morning that God is faithful. That we can do it. That it's going to be okay. That we're going to get through it. It may be different than we thought. It may come with struggles and challenges. But we stay focused, laser focused on God not on what's happening around us. Tyler, would you lead us? Standing on this mountaintop Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes our hearts can say.
joy. 